Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver and I'm here with my co-anchor and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey everybody. Excited to be here. This is our first case of the week. Yes, it is. Doodly-doo. And also the last week of April. Oh my gosh. You believe we're already four months into the year? Flown by. Flown by. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has. I know. In fact, I, I'm really uh, trying to screw myself good on some deadlines and things I have because <laughs> <laughs> because I just can't believe that it's the last uh, week of this month. How yeah. could it possibly be? I I don't know, but it has gone quickly. Yeah, it has. It has time to get organized. Right. <laughs> so you went camping over the weekend. Oh, we did. We had so much fun. I'm tired. I don't know because yeah, any travel, travel just makes me tired. And mm-hmm. I come home, I'm so glad I'm home, but then I'm like, oh, I just need a night in my own bed, you know. Yeah, for sure. But we had a great time. It was really fun until uh, we woke up this morning and it was freezing rain and we went, yeah, yeah, we're going home. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your side. Go yeah, home. That was enough. <laughs> that was enough, but we had a good time. It was so nice just to be outside. Mm-hmm. And be able to have time outside, you know, just haven't for had sure. that for a while lately. So it was nice. Yeah. How about well, you? I'm good too. We have, we came up last night and sat around the campfire and yeah. <laughs> brought pizza. That's how uh, organized we are. There, there was no, uh, you know, roasting a hot dog or anything. We we picked up Pizza Hut, but anyway, that's, that's whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was great. Uh, today we took a drive up into uh, Grand Teton National Park Ooh. to get a few more senior pictures of the senior. Nice. Um, we hadn't didn't have anything yet in her cap and gown, and unfortunately, she really wanted some pictures with the Teton Mountains in the background. But it was so rainy and uh, misty oh, up there that, that you oh, could. We were. It? We were like at the mountains and you couldn't see the mountains. You so. couldn't see them. Oh, <laughs> darn it. Quite what she wanted, unfortunately. But frankly, this kid could literally stop traffic in a gunny sack. So it's just, she it's could. just fine. It yeah. is. Yeah. So we're working on her graduation announcements and all that exciting mm-hmm. stuff. And exciting. senior night for softball is on Friday night. And so we're working really hard on having all of the, the stuff done for that too. There's, you know, gifts and decorating and excitement and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah a big week a big week I can finally now mm-hmm. talk about senior night without tears which I couldn't do two days ago so you know well, I, I'm amping up that's good that's good progress <laughs> yeah. yeah lots of stuff going on um but we're excited to be here to present our first case mm-hmm. so this case is a cold read I'm going to present to Christy this mm-hmm. case was a suggestion from a listener so thank you so much and mm-hmm. they used the form. And you can find the forum by going over to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com and scroll through through there and you'll find a spot where you can suggest a case. That's a good spot to do it because then it goes on a master list where we can keep track of them. You guys are awesome to suggest cases, but sometimes they get thrown, uh, you know, in in comments, you know, questions, you know, in various uh, social media and stuff. And we try to get them all on our master list, but it doesn't always happen. So right, anyway, right. that's the yeah, best way to do it. That is true. Those of you on the East Coast will be more familiar with this case, I think. Uh, but this is the case of Cherry Ann Mahan. 
So Cherry Ann Mahan, this is such a perplexing case. She vanished on this 22nd of February, 1985 from Cabot, Pennsylvania. Uh, She was born on August 14th, 1976. Oh, she's a year older than me. Mm -hmm. Or younger than me, I mean. Right, right. In between you and I. how old am I? When was I born? (laughs) Right, yeah, just between you and I. Right, between you and I, which is actually so weird because our case last week was too. Yes, it was. that. There were some similarities last week that kind of freaked me out. It was weird. So, yeah, here we are at it again. Again, she was missing. The girl we did last week went missing at nine. This uh, little girl went missing at age eight. Okay. She was wearing a white leotard, a gray coat, a blue denim skirt, white stockings, blue leg warmers, as you did back in 1985. Uh, uh, as you did. if. I recall mm-hmm. about that age, um, you had a leotard you absolutely refused to take off. Yeah. I, we also both had denim skirts. That was the look, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Beige ankle boots and brown cabbage patch earmuffs. This one got me. She Aww. loved cabbage patch kids. And in yeah. fact, had just gotten her first cabbage patch for Christmas from her grandma. Oh, my goodness. Aww. Yeah. She was carrying a blue backpack with two straps and a cream-colored top and decorated with a blue and red heart. So that's what she had with her. Wow. Um, Very specific details. Well, yeah, and you'll learn why. Uh, Caucasian female. She had brown hair, hazel eyes. Uh, Cherry had a dog bite scar on her left arm. Mm. Her left arm had also previously been broken above the shoulder. That It was healed, but she had previously had a broken arm. She had a cowlick mm-hmm. on the right side of her hair. And in the photograph that we're showing, her hair was just a little bit longer, but not a lot. Okay. And her ears were pierced at the time. So she was got off the school bus. She was on the bus. It was a Friday. She had had a great day at school. She was a darling little girl, a darling little learner. She loved school. She told mm-hmm. everybody she wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Uh, Her favorite subject was spelling, and she loved art. She was just a little doll. Uh, Her family had just moved there about seven months prior. It was her mom and her stepdad. Mom got pregnant with her uh, as the result of a rape when she was 16. Oh, gosh. And she knew the man that had raped her, and she had gone to the police, and they refused to believe her. Mm. But she had told him in the past about this child and he absolutely refused to uh, acknowledge that she was his. So there was kind of a weird thing there with this shitty guy that lived in another town. Mm -hmm. And he said that at one point he ran into them at a party that they both met happened to attend. And she was there with this little girl who she claims is his, Mm -hmm. but he swears she is not. She never tried to get child support or put him on the birth certificate or anything like that. But that was her beginning. And so she and mama kind of raised each other, you know, Mm -hmm. lived with grandma and grandpa until uh, grandpa died. And then mom got married and stepdad was an angel. He loved her. She was his whole world. You know, it was just, they were a package deal. Mm -hmm. So so a little background into her and to her mom. Mm -hmm. So when she got off the bus that day, The bus stop stopped about 50 yards from her driveway, but the driveway was up a steep little hill and kind of had a little twist. So you couldn't actually see her house 
from the driveway, okay. but it wasn't far. It was just a little jog. Mm-hmm. There was another mom who stopped, uh, waited at the bus to pick her kids up when they got off. And she saw Cherry and waved at her and Cherry waved at her and the bus took off. Mama watched, uh, you know, the other mom watched her to make sure she, you know, had cleared her car. And then she left too. Well, in the house, up the little jog of a driveway, were mom and stepdad. They were home. And normally mom always picked her up at the bottom and drove her up because she was just getting off work and just waited for her. But she didn't have to work this day. So she'd been to town mm-hmm. to shop because she got a Care Bear for Christmas and their dog chewed his face off. And <laughs> so mom felt really bad about it and went and replaced her Care Bear and was going to surprise her with, a, you know, Aww. a Care Bear that didn't have his face chewed off when right. she got home from school. And they heard the school bus pull up, you know, school bus with their air brakes and stuff. You know, you hear that. Right. So, and that door and everything. Yeah. yeah and they said they could also hear kids, you know, voices. Like they heard her get off the bus per normal. Mm-hmm. And stepdad actually grabbed his keys and said, I'll run down and grab her. And mom said, oh, don't. It's a sunny, nice day. She can, you know, she can walk up. It had been really mm-hmm. cold that this was the end of February. It was finally starting to get warmer. So she said, don't worry about it. She can just walk up. It's good for her. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't come. And after like five minutes, they were like, that's weird. And they looked outside and they couldn't hear anything. So mm-hmm. stepdad heads down the hill of the, the driveway to thinking he'll just run into her about halfway down, but he doesn't. So mm-hmm. he gets clear to the bottom and there's no one in the road. Mm-hmm. And so he yells to mom and they start, you know, searching the neighborhood and she's just gone. I mean, at first they didn't think, oh my God, something happened. They thought maybe she went into a neighbor's house or went with another Mm -hmm. friend, knocked on every single door. Within a couple of hours, literally 300 people were combing their neighborhood in that area. Mm. You know, know, the police and the search and rescue were there. They had bloodhounds. They had a helicopter. Like they were seriously combing that area for this child Mm -hmm. because she just vanished, just Mm -hmm. vanished. I mean, in the matter of a couple of minutes from the time one adult saw her to the next didn't. I mean, there was no time whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So they looked four days. And finally, this was on a Friday. Finally, by Monday, the sheriff said, she's obviously not here. We have searched every square inch of this over and over. She's not here. And so they expanded their search. They started Uh, having conversations with all of the kids on the bus and this theme emerged between them and the mom who had picked her kids up. Everybody saw this blue or green van. Most people said blue, but some people said green that had a skiing scene, like a mountain with a skier Mm -hmm. uh, painted on the side of it. Mm -hmm. That van was sitting in the neighborhood and it wasn't there when stepdad came down the hill, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And so they start thinking, okay, no one had ever seen that van in the neighborhood before. Nobody was familiar with this at all. So they start thinking, well, maybe that is because at this point they're thinking she was abducted. You know, right. there's just not much of a, another, uh, you know, scenario that makes any sense. So, and they have throughout the neighborhood, family, extended family, Teachers, classmates, they questioned, like, 
over 300 people in the first few weeks. I mean, they mm-hmm. talked to everyone imaginable mm-hmm. trying to figure out what in the hell because they have nothing to go on. Right. So the van becomes their focus, you know, and they start looking around the, uh, you know, looking for that van. And pretty soon they start, when they put out the, uh, to the media, the information about the van, they get hundreds of calls. Turns out uh, up in that area, a little closer to the ski hills, there's a lot of vans that look kind of like that. You know, I remember that sort of design. I think that we, living in Idaho, saw vans that looked like that in the mm-hmm. 80s. It, it was a kind thing a to thing. have, like, a big scene on your van back yep. then. Yeah. And I I remember this skier-looking thing. I, I don't think that was that uncommon. Yeah. And where we live, there's a lot of skiing, you know, so it makes sense to me that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So there was also talk that maybe they'd seen a blue, a little blue car in the area. So they didn't know for sure, but that was all they had to go on. So they really, really hounded on the van aspect. Mm-hmm. And they did find people with vans. They did question them. They did clear them. One lady mm-hmm. in particular had a green van that had a similar scene on it that was absolutely harassed mm-hmm. for a long time. Everywhere oh, wow. she went, people were writing down her license plate number and or following her or, you know, and I mean, the, the community, I mean, God bless them. I mean, they were all over this. They were determined to get Cherry found. Mm-hmm. Another lady put together a fundraiser and really organized the community. And eventually they put together $58,000 in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reward money for mm-hmm you know, leads to bring her home. Uh, you know, they really tried. I mean, the community rallied around their, her parents like nobody's business sure. and really tried hard. So, but there was nothing. Like I said, they got, they had so many different uh, leads and they followed them for a few years mm-hmm. constantly and nothing was working. So, they ended up uh, sending out a mailer. So this was about the time that they started like putting kids on milk cartons and sending out missing children's or missing persons mailers. So Mm -hmm. she got put on a mailer that they sent out and hundreds of leads came in. Thousands of leads came in from all over the country and they did their best to follow up on as many of them as they could, but they just, nothing bore any fruit at all. Right. And there were, I mean, yeah, she looks a lot like we did at that age. Like, I, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily know for sure, you know, some little yeah. white girl with brown hair. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. hard to differentiate, really. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I mean, there had people like, you know, from the West Coast calling saying they swear they saw that van, you know. Oh, yeah. They saw I mean, a van, not that van. Right. They saw a van, just like I've seen a van that looks mm-hmm. like that before. It doesn't mean it's the right, one. Right. For sure. So they did take a really hard look at her parents. I mean, they interviewed them quite a few separate times, uh, separately. And there was just never anything that would indicate that they weren't just telling the truth. No. So they asked them if they would take polygraphs. They did willingly and 
they were just determined to be not involved at all. Yeah, they weren't. So, they just weren't. Mm -hmm. So then they also took a hard look at the the supposed, uh, you know, father, the, the, the rapist. And mm -hmm. he also completely denied any kind of involvement. And they really uh, did a very thorough search of him and his life and his whereabouts. And they determined that he also was not involved. He so, didn't want any involvement because mm -hmm. this was proof of a sexual assault. He didn't yeah. want anything yeah. to do with this situation at all. I don't feel like mm -hmm. he had any interest in, in her or in, you know, connecting himself to her at all. A lot of locals tried really hard to create the connection. They they wanted that to be the answer, you know, right. but it just it just didn't seem to be. Well, yeah, some, some people still sort of, really blame him and think he had something to do with it. Right. But. And it's kind of the easy answer that it's one of the parents, you know, and of course, mm -hmm. they always look at that first because, you know, quite frequently it, it is. often is. Yeah. But not always. Yeah. No, no. this was a stranger grab. This yeah. was just a stranger crab that, you know, throwing a kid in a van was a common thing in the 80s, unfortunately. That, yeah, that, that became the way to mm -hmm. assault children, and, and this was a stranger. Yeah. So mom, after six months, needed to go back to work. She worked in housekeeping at a, a senior citizen center or I don't know, a, a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And she was so scared to leave the house. She was so scared that oh. Cherry would call. And so yeah. she got an answering machine and the answering machine message said, hi, Sherry, we love you. Or, or Cherry. I want to call her Sherry really bad. Hi, Cherry. We love you. I think it's Cherry. Um, it is. I, yeah. I listened to an interview with mom to be sure. Oh. Because it, it looks like it could be Sherry, mm -hmm. you know. But this it is Sherry. So mom leaves this message on her answering machine to say, you know, it, we, we love you and we miss you. And here's what to do. You call the operator and ask her to give you to the center for missing children. And they're going to save you. And we'll see. Mm -hmm. you. That's what her voicemail said oh. for years. Gosh, that's so sad. Yeah. So. And mom struggled a lot. She started doing drugs a little bit, drinking, just really trying to deal with herself. Uh, at one point, she said she tried to throw herself out of a moving pickup. And her mm -hmm. husband got a hold of her and, you know, held her in. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they had a little boy. And five years-ish after she was missing, uh, the government did declare her legally dead. There was some money that came to her because of the car accident she'd been in where she broke her arm. Oh. And mom had been holding on to it all this time, wanting to put it into uh, like a, you know, a fund for her, mm -hmm. a trust for her, but she couldn't do anything with it. And so mm -hmm. that was one reason it was $3,500 mm -hmm. so that she could do something with that. And she did eventually donate that $58,000 to mm -hmm. the center for missing and exploited children. Oh, that's good. Yeah. She said she didn't want to benefit from this in any way. Over the years, uh, mailers have gone out several times with this darling girl's face on them and with, uh, you know, projected uh, pictures of what she would look like now. Yeah. There was actually a missing person, someone who 
was adop adopted and didn't know what their roots were uh, and kind of adopted under weird circumstances back uh, in the mid uh, 2000s, like 2015 ish. Mm -hmm. And she actually thought maybe she was Cherry. And she got uh, in contact with Cherry's mom and they had a DNA test and she was not. Yeah. No. The thing is, Cherry time. was old enough that had something like that happened, she would have remembered. Right. She would have remembered yeah. who she was. Yeah. For sure. No, she she died the day she was taken. Well, another thing happened, let's see, and this was also just here in the last like five years, someone called mom at work and told her that she is Cherry. And uh, it was a cruel joke. It turned out to be just a cruel joke. What the hell is the matter with people? Yeah, that's not a joke for Christ's sake. That is not a joke. Oh my God. Mom's name is Janice McKinney, by the way. I don't think I ever said her name. Mm -hmm. But Janice received a letter in 2018 from someone who described in great detail, horrific detail, how they kidnapped Cherry, how they murdered her, and where she was buried. And said that they hoped that this letter and finding her body would help bring her some kind of peace. Mm. So she turned it over to the police. They investigated it. They investigated the area where they said that her body was buried. They didn't come up with anything. It doesn't mean she's not there. They went out with cadaver dogs. And that's really hard because this cadaver dogs, yeah. that long ago, cadaver dogs may or may not actually be able to smell anything. It's possible she's still in that area and that that letter was legit. They just they probably sure. need like ground penetrating radar to find her at this point, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, and those little bones, you know, depending on the kind of acidity in the soil and how she was buried, and right. there, there really just might not be much left. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, uh, so that happened as well, though they have no idea where that letter came from. But again, she actually got punked once before. They just aren't sure. The police in, in Cabot say that they still get leads every once in a while on this case. So People mm. are still watching. I mean, there have been lots of times where somebody was just certain that they saw a girl that was her and they mm. have followed up and it is not. Mm. Uh, so it's not one of those cases where that wasn't investigated or that the police didn't care about or try about. They cared a lot and they've tried really hard. Mm. Her mom has tried really hard to keep her memory alive and to, uh, you know, continue on the path. But yeah. there's just very little. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Christy, I'm going to ask you to just, uh, you know, fully read the case for us. And, and I'll probably ask you a few questions as well. So this is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. And we'll be back shortly. Hi, I'm Christy Brower, podcaster and professional psychic. I have spent the last 14 years honing my skills as a psychic and a healer. I work on the Purple Ocean app. You can find it in any of the app stores. And I am available every day for video and chat readings. I specialize in pattern breaking, uh, particularly in relationships, but really in any area of your life. If you're feeling stuck and like you can't move on or you can't let something go, I am the reader for you. That is exactly what I focus on. It's what I love to do. 
I love to help stuck people get moving and I've been doing it for many years and have been very successful at it and can do that for you as well. So if you are having trouble letting go of a relationship or a fear or a challenge of any kind in your life, come see me at Purple Ocean and we will do everything we can, me and my guidance system and my intuition and you, because it's always a package deal that we work together, but we will find a way to break that pattern for you. So come see me over at Purple Ocean and let's break your patterns. All righty, and we are back. This is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-anchor and partner in crime, Christy Brower. So, Christy, we've just laid out the missing case, the, the case of missing Cherry Ann Mahan. And I would like for you to give us your reading on what happened here and who do you think did this to this little thing? So it's yeah. a terrible case. Yeah. It, it is a terrible case, and it's a very typical 80s case. This was a stranger grab. Absolutely, the van that was uh, seen in the community is the van driven by the perpetrator. I feel like the man asked Cherry to help her with, to help him with directions. I feel like it was it was very um, innocuous. This was kind of about the time the stranger danger started, but maybe not quite yet. And uh, I, I feel like that he asked her um, what seemed like a an innocent question that brought her near. He grabbed her, threw her in the van, and took off. I do feel he drove a significant, I'm hearing, 50 miles away before he did anything. Mm-hmm. Um. I do feel that he assaulted her and killed her that same day. That he did not keep her and that none of the, none of the, um, you know, all of the the tips about seeing her various places and things, none of that is true. That this was legitimately um, a, a, a stranger abduction. He was about... 23 and he had red hair and green eyes this was the first time he'd ever done this it was not the last time he'd ever done this i feel like he had he has he abducted other children um not using the same vehicle and not in the same community i felt like as i was tuning into him that he was smart enough to know not to do that because this is pre-internet guys this was Mm -hmm. You know, all you had to do was just go from one town to the next and no one would have any clue and not connect the cases at all. I believe that he did this three times and that she was his first. Uh, He did bury her body. And I do feel that the letter that was sent to her mother was real, but the location of her body was not real. Um, He is fairly tortured about what he's done. He had, you know, obviously some very terrible predilections, but he does have some guilt at this point in his life. And I do feel that that letter was real. Mm-hmm. But I feel that he he was trying to get it off from his chest by reporting to mom. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like he skewed the um, information just enough to protect himself. 
Well, that's what I feel like happened. Okay. I feel like, at least fortunately, she wasn't held and tortured or, you know, assaulted multiple times or anything like that. That it was quite quick. Uh, that he strangled her. And buried her. Mm-hmm. And it just happened so quickly, just in between the bus driving away, the neighbor mom driving away. He asks her a question, pulls her in the van, drives off. Boom, it's over in seconds. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the very reason why we as kids were always told to not get anywhere near anybody with a van. You right? know? Yeah. <laughs> stranger yeah. danger. Mm-hmm. And don't get anywhere near anybody with a van. It's this this is like the pinnacle case for why yeah. that is. You know, this one and others that happened at that time. But there was a real I don't know if it was an uptick, I don't know, something to do with pedophiles and vans there in the eighties. And and she was definitely really into a thing. I mean, you still did. refer to that as a rapist van or you know. Right. I've heard that my whole life, even though they're probably not, but you know. Right, yeah. Well, a lot of times they're the panel vents that don't have windows. This yeah. one did, but I feel like she was little and mm-hmm. she was easy to overpower. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I feel. I do feel the van was blue mm-hmm. with the decal on it. I know people yeah. thought it was either blue or green. I feel it was blue. Mm-hmm. And he was a young man. He was He was quite thin and wiry. He had red hair and green eyes. Um, so the police or the the FBI eventually put together a profile of who they thought uh, could have been the kidnapper. They believed that it must have been someone she knew because she was so, it seemed that she was willing to climb in someone's car. But, Mm -hmm. uh, that was a really hard thing for her mom to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, to think that someone they knew could have actually done this to her. But I really resonate with what you're saying that it was it was she was a sweetie mm-hmm. and, and was definitely willing to help someone if they asked her a question. And was he just, very friendly. He's just standing in the doorway of that van and says, hey, come here. Can you tell me how to get to blah, blah, blah. And she just walks over to tell him and he grabs. I mean, she's little. Yeah. He just overpowers her, closes the door of the van. There's nothing she can do. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's that's all it was. It was that fast. But no, this was not mm-hmm. someone that they knew. It was not someone that she knew. Okay. And she was not targeted specifically. This was just, yeah. he was kind of waiting around at school bus drop-off time mm-hmm. looking for an opportunity and found one. Yeah. Yeah. Classmates later on had told their teacher that they, the, her teacher that year was a woman named Jackie Pfeiffer. <laughs> Are you serious? It's really That's our aunt's name. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Kind of. And, well, well, it's two ants. It, yeah. Well, it's, it's our grandpa's name, essentially. But yeah. anyway, it's just a really weird mm-hmm. coincidence yes, when I read is. that. I was like, well, that's weird. But anyway, she was a gem of a teacher. And one thing she did with the kids is that they'd have circle time where they'd put their desks in a circle. Mm-hmm. And they would talk about what was bothering them. Mm. And she did that long before uh, Cherry disappeared. But after she disappeared... It was really hard in their classroom. It was hard on her and it was hard on the other kids. Oh, and for the whole rest of the school year, whenever she'd pass out papers, she'd put the paper also on Cherry's desk. And she would always mm-hmm. tell the kids, we're just 
we're saving up her homework. So it's all ready for her, her schoolwork, or I'll be here when she comes back, you know, and Mm -hmm. that seemed to help. But when they would have circle time, a lot of the kids expressed a lot of guilt. Right. Oh, I'll bet. A lot of guilt that had they uh, told the school, the bus driver about the creepy van. Maybe there, something would have been different. Now, this one gets me, and this is a very different way. Uh, this this and other cases have changed the way we drop kids off, you know, at the school bus. They're at the school right. drop. But uh, that she, lots of kids said, or some kids had said, that they felt like had they waited and told the bus driver or told the bus driver about the creepy dad, maybe the bus driver would have waited for Cherry to walk up her driveway before he drove away. Um, wow. I mean, well, and you know how kids yeah. at that age are. They they don't really have a concept of that they are not in control of everything. Right, right. You and know? also, the driver just dropped her off and drove away. Right, and that does not happen now. For well, at sure. least not where we live. They'll no. pull up traffic as long as they need to, and we're fine with it, right? Yeah, to absolutely. To see kids get safely into their yards. But truly, mm-hmm. I mean, she was she was 50 yards from her driveway. It's not like she oh. was walking a long way. Right. So the driver didn't have any expectation that something bad could happen. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, these kinds of kidnappings happen in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It was no one's fault except for the person who did it. Of course, the poor parents had an enormous amount of guilt because they were right there. They were right right freaking there. And dad was going to head down and get her and mom told him not to. And so, of course, she felt horrible and he felt horrible and like, you know, this is, it's destroyed their lives, of course, but, yeah. you know, lots of people in the community have felt, the mom who saw the van and picked her own kids up, you know, I'm sure has kicked oh, herself yeah. a million times that she didn't just drive her up the hill herself or, yeah. or watch her to walk up the hill before she drove away. But no, yeah. how could you have known, you know? So you couldn't anyway, have. Yeah. No, no, you couldn't have. But. Couldn't have possibly known. Nobody could, but nobody wants to think that things like this can happen and and happen so quickly, and that that we can't always protect our children. I mean, that's just. But cases like Cherry's are the very reason yeah. why we've, you know, come to find that that's actually, you know, not the case. We aren't in control all the time. Yeah. Well, in this town, this little town of Cabot, it was very safe. They had not had tons of crime and stuff. And so they did feel fine about their kids having that much autonomy, you know, really sure. not so different than lots of small town USA, even now, no. you know. Hell, we used to walk to school when we were in elementary school sure. and it wasn't just around the corner. I mean, it was several blocks away. Yeah. Yeah. And we walked to and from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hey, that's, that is the case. So, well, wow. thank you for taking a look at that. And sure. thank you to the listener that suggested this case as well. It, it always, all of these unsolved cases deserve the signal boost and, and yeah. their families deserve the signal boost because they Definitely. will spend the rest of their lives looking and wondering about where their family members have gone. Her mom yeah. has been an absolute warrior. That's good. At least she can channel that into something, you know, I would think if as a parent in this situation, you'd have to be able to channel your energy from an experience like this into something positive to, to survive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Well, and her case and some of the others in the eighties really helped to develop the, uh, you know, the center for missing and exploited children and 
you know, all of the other things, the flyers, the mailers, the milk cartons, the, all the stuff, you know, that has come since to help, uh, you know, keep these kids' memories alive and keep right. people looking and keep people aware of the risks and dangers of kidnappings like this. Right. Because again, pretty complacent, you know, and no one expected something like this to happen. So yeah, for sure. All righty. Well, this is our first case this week. So watch tomorrow for our group case. Ooh, we got a group case this week. Holy hell. Yikes, don't we? Yep. And then our MMIW case will be on Wednesday this week. Wednesday night, of course, there will be live case updates. And ooh, Mark Means is cooking a, a pot full of bullshit, you guys. And so oh, man. <laughs> we have definitely got some some Daybell Vallo uh, uh, tea to spill, don't we? Yeah. There's some updates in the Jillian Maxwell case. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think there's something else, too. We've got quite a few case updates to bring to you this week. So We do. Yeah. There's And, and, and who knows? There yeah. Be more by then. that. Well, but also, I believe that Vallos are back in court on the 28th. Yes. There's an emergency hearing because of uh, what's happening. It's a new yeah. update. So watch. We've got some thoughts on it, some things we have been working on with it. So anyway, that's what's happening. And then, of course, Thursday night at 7 o'clock, uh, the Psychic Hour with the Psychic Sisters. Uh, that's at 7 p.m. Mountain. So yeah. well in JFK. Oh, Yeah. Yes, if you're a patron, look at our go look at Patreon because we have released a Patreon special that is a look at some of the more widely known and some of the less widely known conspiracies around the murder of JFK, the assassination of JFK, and mm -hmm. our read on what we believe actually happened. So lots of you guys have asked for that case, so it's in Patreon. And yep. if you are not in Patreon, but you'd like to join, we do put out two extra cases a month over there for you guys. Yep. And you can find that, or, or episodes, I should say. You can find that if you go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com, and you'll find a, a button there to head straight over to Patreon. Yep, so absolutely. It Check is. it out. There's yeah. so much good content over there. Frequently, you guys ask us for a case. I'll tell you one that's over there that people ask for us all the time, ask us for all the time, and that's Brian Schaefer. If you've been wondering about yeah. the Brian Schaefer case, we did it for Patreon like a year ago. Yeah, we so, did. So, you know, it's not very, doesn't cost very much to go over there and check out all of the stuff we have already done in the last year and lots of cases mm -hmm. that you might be interested in. Are, we are done and over there. So go check it out. Well, yeah, there's got to be 26 cases over there now, I think. Something At like least that. something like that. Yeah. 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 So if you just go to patreon.com. And search uh, True Crime Paranormal. You will find us there. Yep. Yep. Very good. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, this has been True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.